0: Welcome to the Personal Brain Trainer Podcast. I'm Dr. Erica Warren.
1: And I'm Darius Nomdaron, and we're your hosts. Join us on an adventure to translate scientific jargon and brain research into simple metaphors and explanations for everyday life. We explore executive function and learning strategies that help turbocharge the mind. Come
0: learn to steer around the invisible barriers so that you can achieve your goals. This podcast is ideal for parents, educators, and learners of all ages. This podcast is brought to you by GoodSensoryLearning.com, where you can find educational and occupational therapy lessons and remedial materials that bring delight to learning. Finally, you can find Dr. Warren's many courses at LearningSpecialistCourses.com. Come check out our newest course on developing executive functions and study
1: strategies. This podcast is sponsored by dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com. We give you a simple productivity system for your Apple devices that harnesses the creativity that comes with your dyslexia. Hey Erica, from my garden office here with the birds in the background. What are we gonna talk about today?
0: Darius we're going to be talking about our personal executive functioning hacks for inhibitory control
1: yeah because last week we did working memory and we're following the three-part process you know three three main elements of executive function working memory inhibitory control and cognitive flexibility so inhibitory control why don't you give us a quick overview of what inhibitory control is before we go into the hacks?
0: Inhibitory control is really your ability to inhibit what's going on around you so that you can focus your attention. It also has to do with emotional regulation as well. So it's it's kind of everything to do with attention. It also has to do with metacognition. So what kind of hacks do we have to help us to manage our attention, manage our emotions and help us with metacognition?
1: you know it's interesting that every time we talk about this it's like we walk around the topic and get a 360 and you move from a slightly different angle and look at it from another angle and it's like a scanner you build up a bigger picture and a bigger understanding of it and it just made me realize for me inhibitory control is all about focus you know what you mute out and what you zoom in on and focus But then when you think about emotions, inhibitory control and emotions, can you call that focus? Can you focus your emotions? You can manage your emotions. Yes,
0: you can manage your emotions. And we've talked about this before that kind of 92nd rule of, of where you're stuck in an emotion. And it might be a very negative emotion, you might be very angry. But Actually, that emotion will only last. It's a chemical response in our body. It only lasts 90 seconds unless we feed it. But the other interesting thing about that emotional control is another piece that I really love that's in the research. And I've, I've found it even personally to be extraordinarily beneficial is that sometimes we're in the emotion. And if you want to step out of that emotion, you label it just by labeling it, you're not the emotion, you're observing the emotion. And as soon as you're observing the emotion, you have more control, inhibitory control, to be able to reason with that emotion, reason with it and decide whether it's worth staying in that emotion, or whether it's worth exiting.
1: Oh, I see. So it's kind of like, oh, I'm feeling angry now. Why am I feeling angry or whatever, just by labeling it gives you more control over, or maybe pushes you up to the meta level of metacognition and makes you start observing it rather than being in it, lifts you above it. Yeah, Fantastic. So hack number one is label what you're feeling. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, it really works for me. and But it's interesting, because if you label it for somebody else, sometimes that feels judgy and they're gonna go even deeper into the emotion. So what I've found another hack is to check with that person to find out what words are comfortable for them. So for example, I can remember at one point mentioning to somebody that it seems like you're really angry. That didn't work, but the word grumpy worked. They're like, oh, I'm comfortable with that. So being comfortable with that word is really important because then you can communicate with that person. And I know even for myself, that's a word that I'll, I'll use. I'll say like, wow, I'm feeling really grumpy, but it's, you really feel a shift. You feel a really significant shift when you say, wow, I'm feeling grumpy because then you are, you're using that kind of metacognition and it really does give you an out. And then of course, waiting that 90 seconds Even one of my students, she said, you know, we watched your little 90 second video. And she said, that was really helpful because this little girl made me really angry in class. And she said, I counted 90 seconds. And she said, oh, I felt so much better.
1: (laughs) Wow. So, okay, let's just get super practical on this because we're going to go to other hacks like time blocking and calendars and reminders and so on. But actually, it's fascinating that. Inhibitory control, the whole emotional aspect is so important to it all, as well as the focus aspect. In that scenario, you feel something, you allow yourself to feel it for the 90 seconds, and while you're feeling it, you label it.
0: Well, okay, that's interesting. You allow yourself to feel it for the 90 seconds while you're still in that wash. But as long as you're thinking about it, you're reactivating it, and that's another 90 seconds. Okay. So as long as you're in it, you're going to stay in it. Yeah. The only way to get out of it is to not think about it for 90 seconds.
1: One of the commitments we make in this podcast is to try and turn things into understandable metaphors. And the metaphor I'm seeing here is it's like a wave. Okay. If you're surfing or you're in the sea, you know, you can go out to the sea, you experience an emotion it's a wave, it's going to crash, it's going to hit you, and it's going to pass. And the key thing is how you respond to that wave. Do you plant your feet? Do you turn your back? Do you allow yourself to swim over it? Do you dive through it? You know, there's responses to those waves of emotions. And so sort of inhibitory control is kind of like what could be the term of how do you surf those waves? Or how do you, you know, respond to the waves of emotions that come?
0: Right. And I think it's funny, I often use that metaphor of the ocean. And, you know, when you're really stuck in emotion, you're kind of in the ocean, but you can pull yourself up onto a boat or a surfboard. And, and when you pull yourself above it, then you're able to manage it, you're able to use your metacognitive skills to you ride the wave in an appropriate way so you can get to where you wanna go.
1: Oh, can I segue then to a raft, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So let's get really practical. I'm gonna share some of my hacks. I explain mind mapping to my students as if mind mapping is like a raft, okay? So imagine you have to swim through You go to school and you're taught how to swim, you know, how to read, how to write. These are reading and writing, swimming through information. But I don't resonate with lots of written words or lots of writing, so I like to map. And for me, mapping is like a raft. I can go onto it, I can doodle, I can draw branches, etc. I can connect everything and it's a tool that helps me float on this ocean of information, you know? And so in a way with inhibitory control, we often need tools that help us navigate that water whether it's a raft or a paddle board or a motorboat or whatever it is you're choosing as your tool. So what kind of tools do you use, Erica? What are your hacks for you know inhibitory what's- control?
0: popping up for me in this moment is is physical physical hacks in the sense of you know i face a wall so i don't have a lot of visual noise around me however i do have a window that brings in a lot of light above me the light is important i'm also looking up slightly at my screen which is also supposed to benefit because it keeps you alert and awake so I can look through the window, but I only see the treetops and they're not a lot of distractions there. It's, it's just kind of actually a nice place to look if I want to be thinking, so to speak. And then, you know, on either side, I don't have a lot of movement or issues. And that really helps me big time because it really limits the amount of particularly visual noise. Auditory noise I deal with because I'm in one end of my house, I can shut my door. I put my dogs outside. I turn off the doggy doorbell. <laughs> I let everybody know if there are people around, I'm going in. Please don't disturb me. So, you know, there are a lot of kind of those physical and and preparing the environment. You know, when we do these podcasts, I have to make sure that I unplug Alexa that I turn off my notifications, you know, even then you'll every now and then hear a little bleep. I'm like, oh, where did that come from? <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's hard to completely turn everything off, but the more you can turn off the better. I think because you really want to, to be unitasking. You don't want to be multitasking anytime you're multitasking or you have visual or auditory distractions, it's really going to get in the way.
1: So we've got a bunch of things we've brainstormed. I'm just going to rattle through them so listeners can see what's coming up. We've got time blocking, using a calendar, having reminders.
0: What is time blocking?
1: I absolutely love time blocking. Time blocking is simply blocking out a certain amount of time on your calendar. So the principle is if it's not scheduled, it won't get done. And the principle of time blocking is that to-do lists don't help you get stuff done. They help you remember what to get done, but time blocking and your calendar does. So I think a 25-minute time block is a very helpful space of time. It's a Pomodoro technique where you chunk something down into a block of time that you can get done within that period of time. You put it in your calendar, and then you've got your commitments for the day and you know that they're manageable.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I think the key word there is commitment, that you're making a commitment. Because, you know, sometimes I'll just be bopping around from thing to thing on my to-do list, but that's not always very efficient, what's better is to really block a very specific time for a very specific thing and not try to, you know, if you're on your way to go do something, don't let those other things that pop up, pull you away from that commitment.
1: Yeah. So it's like making a, an appointment with yourself. And I think calendar is very important for me. I I don't want to come across like I'm super organized. I am definitely not. I do the minimum organization required not to let people down basically. (laughs) Um, But I find my calendar really more and more useful all the time and I have to, it's an effort of will for me to use the calendar. I forget to use the calendar and a lot of my clients I help people, adults with dyslexia and ADHD in the UK here and America, but we forget to even open up our calendar. And sometimes it's like you need a calendar notification which says open calendar and read at like nine o'clock in the morning or 8 a.m. or something. And it doesn't alert and you're like, oh yeah, I better open up my calendar and read it. I've gone to the next level. I've got a personal assistant who I sit down with at 9:45 every day and just go th- for 15 minutes or 7 minutes and just say what are my tasks what are my calendar and I hate doing it I, I love it's great doing it with with her but you know I I it's not natural for me I'm I'm a natural improviser but there's a limit to how much you can cast off inhibitory control and just improvise as you go along because one of the things that I find is I often forget to do the things I really want to do and it's the tyranny of the urgent isn't it the loudest shouting thing gets the the squeaky wheel gets oiled the the thing that shouts the most gets dealt with but what's important often gets overlooked and this this leads me on to the Eisenhower matrix I mean do you use the eisenhower matrix have you ever heard of it
0: i'm thinking of a matrix but i don't know if it's the same one what do you so think you-
1: president eisenhower when he organized his time he would have four segments and he would say important or not important was the main divider okay is this important or is this not important and then he would decide is it important and urgent or is it important and not urgent and then there's other things that are not important and urgent and not important and not urgent, you know? And when right, you- so
0: it's the four blocks. And it's so interesting. Four blocks. The one that I'm thinking of is that urgent or not urgent, and then don't wanna do, wanna do.
1: Ah, yes. Yes.
0: So the things that you don't want to do and are urgent, you have to do first.
1: Oh, okay. So it's
0: very similar matrix and it's the same idea, but taking that time to look through your list and prioritizing. That's why I like to use Google keep because it enables you to kind of pin very quickly or move your tasks around so that you can prioritize them. Oh, a lot of them tick tick does that. I'm sure you have
1: some other yeah, I use Asana at the moment. I mean, it's not perfect, but I use Asana. And so I've got my inbox in Asana and then from my inbox I have four categories of important, urgent, important, not urgent, you know, not important and urgent. I I, I still haven't found very many things that are not important and urgent. but <laughs> those are normally, yeah, anyway, yeah, that's time blocking, calendars and wait,
0: I- I've got to give a shout out. To Google Calendar. Oh yes, I've fallen in love with it. I've absolutely fallen in love with it because they've made it better. Yeah, I yeah. abandoned it for a long time. These little features that make me so happy.
1: Oh, go tell.
0: It first of all, it shows you time within the calendar, so it draws a little red line of what time it is in your calendar, and it, well, you can turn this feature on or have it off, but. When the time goes through the calendar, everything that you finished changes to a lighter color. And that just makes me so happy. I mean, I have everything color coded, which is just another huge hack for me, you know, because I, I can see very quickly, you know, I have my online sessions are one color, my in-person sessions are another, my appointments are another. I have lots of, and it looks really pretty and somehow it takes something that's very visually overwhelming if it's all one color and makes it not overwhelming at all because it really pulls it apart and makes it very logical for me so color coding is a huge hack on Google calendar but i just and now that you can actually schedule zoom calls and and then somebody will send me an appointment if i haven't Agreed that I'm going to be attending, it outlines it. And when yes. you agree that you're attending, it fills it in. Yes. I'm like, wow, this is too awesome. I yes. love it. I love it. What well, are the features that you like?
1: Well, I was with a coaching client yesterday and I was teaching her how to do time blocking on the iPad. And she's a complete Mac user. And she's like, I use Mac Calendar. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough. And I said, do you use the alerts much? And she says, well, no, not really. Sometimes I forget to do it. Well, let's just set them onto automatic. And we put them onto automatic. And that's super important, I would say. Create automatic alerts in your calendar. So whenever you open up, make an event, there's automatically an alert. But I realize Apple only allows you one automatic alert whereas google allows you multiple alerts so it will alert you the day before an hour before 3 minutes before or whatever combination you want and i tend to have it uh, an alert 10 minutes before an alert 3 minutes before because my timekeeping's a little bit off and so that 3 minutes before is saying to me right you really need to start you know, getting into the zone right now, you know, rather than, oh, yeah, I'll go do that in a few minutes, and I'll be back. And then I get caught up in something with my distractive mind. So I find the alerts in Google Calendar really good.
0: Oh, the other thing that's really cool, I have to give a shout out to, which is a great hack for some people on Google. Keep, which works brilliantly with Google Calendar, by the way, and with Google Docs, all of these, you can kind of open them at the same time in the margins. It's really wonderful. But Google Keep has this feature where you can get reminders based on time or location.
1: Yeah, that is powerful. So when you go to the front door or you're just about to walk out the door, it'll ping up and say, have you got your bag, your phone, your rucksack and uh, your keys?
0: Yeah. Or if you're driving by the grocery store, you'll get a pop up. Get the Coca-Cola or oh, why did I say that? I hate Coca-Cola. Get get the peas. Get the potatoes. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Coca-Cola, but not a fan.
1: Yeah. So I, I want to talk back to your physical thing because there are all sorts of tools out there to help you maintain your focus. And one of those tools I think is clothing.
0: Oh, so yeah. interesting.
1: Well, because I think, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when you put certain clothes on, your whole mindset and mood can change. You know, like if you put your, if I'm a, a, go into woodwork mode and I put my woodwork, Trousers on and I've got my belt clip on and I've got my tools on I'm like in the woodworking zone I'm gonna get stuff done. It's something about the physical stuff stirs up emotions Focuses you gets you in another zone You know if you put on really comfy soft shoes and you start padding around the house It shifts your focus if you put on tight shoes not really tight shoes but your work shoes or something that you associate with going out the door and doing something you know i think shoes really affect your your focus in some ways and your clothes the type of shirts you wear the type of trousers you wear etc changes your mood and attention i think or helps to
0: that's really interesting and you know the other thing that pops up for me is really establishing a routine because it's so easy just to jump out of bed and just run from one distraction to the next. Oh, I've got to do this. Oh, I've got to do this. Oh, I've got to do yeah. this. And you're just yeah. kind of switchbacking all over the place and you're getting kind of things half done. But when you establish a, and, and also establishing a routine where you're doing things to activate and get yourself ready for the day, I really need to do that. And I am a little bit off and I'm like, prepared to sit down and create that daily. I don't like the word routine. What would be a better word for it? Rhythm? Rhythm. Yeah, just something that gets me activated. Like I, I should be having a big glass of water every morning. I should be going out and doing my forward ambulation outside and getting light and activating my brain, which also then deactivates the amygdala for the day you know so there're a, a number of things that you can do you can sit down and read a little bit of a book that really empowers you and gets you set for the day i like to use mark nepo i love his i love his poetry and i love his books just reading a little bit of mark nepo and getting that nugget that just really gets me motivated for the day so i think you know establishing some kind of routine of sorts that is healthy to get you kind of prepared and in the right mindset so that you can be focused and you can walk through your day with intention. Don't just kind of just jump from distraction to distraction. And if you don't have that routine, it's very easy to, for things to just be scattered.
1: Yes. We've, We've got so many different tools and techniques we can talk about, and we've got technology we can talk about as well. We've talked about Asana and Google and so on. There's just so much within inhibitory control that I think one of the things that a lot of my clients love when I introduced it to them is working with a split screen and you know we talked about that in working memory but this also applies to inhibitory control because when you're working with a split screen it's helping your working memory because you're not having to remember you're taking one thing from one screen and applying it to the other that's working memory but it also helps with inhibitory control because it's really clear what your focus is on these things this one thing in front of you and there's a process you're going from one side to the other you may be reading some websites and taking notes. You might be, I sometimes split screen Asana with my calendar. So I take a task and put it in my calendar and so on. That whole thing aids in inhibitory control for me.
0: Oh, can I add something to that? I love with the the split screen, I like to have Google Docs and a thesaurus
1: yeah you and your thesaurus that's just incredible yeah i get what you're saying i would say do you know what my thesaurus is google images
0: google images how is yeah. that a source
1: it's a visual thesaurus so i would put the thing that i'm thinking about into google images so for example if i'm mind mapping and i'm thinking I want to somehow visualize this and visualizing it really helps me and I often can't picture it which is really weird I love visualizing things I love the visual side of things but sometimes I just can't see it and so I go to Google images and I say uh, breadcrumb trail line art and you know I had this thing breadcrumb trail of ideas line art and then I see this dot of lines connected or bread or something, I go, well, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, and that that helps me. So I regard that as a visual thesaurus, as it were.
0: That's so interesting. I love that to really activate your visualization, because again, visualization is so incredibly helpful. It's helpful for working memory, because it's one of those vital pieces, but it helps for attention. It does. So it's, it's vital for inhibitory control. So it's very important. That's another great hack that we're visualizing. And if you yeah. have a hard time visualizing, then find those images to help you. And sometimes we're trying to visualize things that are abstract. Yes. And we can't like, well, how do you visualize that? But it's amazing how you're right in Google and you look at images, you'll be like, oh, that's a cool way of visualizing it. Yes. I yes. really like that. Or YouTube watching a video. If you but it's great if you're a student and you're learning about a historical period.
1: Uh, Of course, yes, yes, because then you
0: can really review ancient Egypt and then it gets those visuals going so that when you go to class, you're like, oh, I already have visuals to attach to the to what you're talking about.
1: Well, I've got a really oblique inhibitory control hack. Okay, now. I've definitely got some ADHD of some sort undiagnosed as yet, but when I take notes in a lecture. I can get easily distracted so I have to have something that is so all-encompassing for me that it uses all of my attention and extra attention and for me that is live mind mapping the talk I teach my students how to do it and I just realized that what happens is recently is that when you're live mapping a talk and you're kind of forcing yourself to translate it into doodles and drawings and connections and so on you're not just listening you're engaging all of your brain that when it gets boring I maintain my concentration because it's this tool that is focusing me rather than the the speaker and I can see other people are fading out but I'm still in the zone and so it helps me with my working memory because I get all the information down instantly and it helps me stay focused with inhibitory control. I can I do three hour lectures sometimes and I can map the whole thing from start to finish and I am focused all the way through because I'm doing this drawing and doodling and so on and so for me Inhibitory control is quite a broad range, isn't it? You know?
0: It is, and and I have to bring up one other one before our our time is over that is so important. A great hack, particularly for kids in the classroom, are FM systems. And these are systems oh. that actually create uh, that the place, excuse me, that place a microphone under the teacher and sends the audio directly to the students so that it's louder. They're not as many auditory distractions between where the teacher is and where they are. And just having that clear audio can be really, really helpful. And then of course, you you can always use, which is a similar hack, noise canceling AirPods or headphones can help to block out any of those distractions because some people are really distracted by noises. And then there are those that will put blare music and you're like, well, how could that help? Because it blocks out unexpected noise because it's the unexpected noise that is distracting for some people. I personally can't have music on that's distracting for me, but for other people, I'll never forget the student I had that listened to heavy metal. And he said, that's what works for me. And I was like, I don't believe you. And we put it on and he showed me and I was like, That's amazing because I have no idea what you just did because I'm so distracted, (laughs) but it's very individualized and it's very, very common for people to push what works for them on others and not be open to something that doesn't work for them. And so it's really, really important that if you are trying to help your students or your children or your partner, that you give them the flexibility to have their own hacks because they may not be the same as yours
1: yeah and these hacks are super important even in the workplace i mean inhibitory control in the workplace is key and we should do a specific talk about zoom and executive function doing zoom calls and executive function because i've got thoughts on sound quality the visuals sharing all all the different dynamics that happen within zoom and how to do executive function within a virtual environment is, is a whole nother realm in and of itself you know where the position the camera's positioned where are you looking where are they looking eye contact all sorts of stuff we should talk about as well
0: but why don't we do that in our next episode
1: yeah, let's, let's do that.
0: Let's zoom into Zoom.
1: Yeah, zoom into Zoom. And we'll do, let's do a second part on this as well. You know, a follow one part for this. This has been a short half hour session today. We'd normally go for another 14, 15 minutes, but I have a meeting uh, with an app developer in a few minutes time. So we'll do a part two on this one.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I love the idea of zooming into Zoom because I think that's also going to trigger all sorts of other hacks.
1: Yes, we're really getting into the tech executive function in the online world. How about we do that? So it's not just Zoom, but it's other stuff that happens working remotely. Executive function and remote work. How about we do that?
0: Sounds good to me. Let's Great. do it.
1: Great. Well, see you next week for that.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Darius.
1: Thanks, Erica. Bye.
0: Bye. Thank you for joining our conversation here at the Personal Brain Trainer Podcast. This is Dr. Erica Warren.
1: And this is Darius Nomderon. You can check out our show notes for links to resources mentioned in the podcast. And please leave us a review and share us on social media. Just take a screenshot and post it up on your social. And until next time, see ya.